So hello and welcome to the New Gig Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Hodgson, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Professor of Economics at the University of Birmingham and also an established author, Siddhartha Bandiopadhyay. How are you doing, Siddhartha? Thanks very much, Glenn. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm do- good. I'm doing well too. So please, give us a little bit of a background on yourself and also the research work that you're doing at the moment, but of course also your latest book as well. Great, yeah. Well, thanks very much, Glenn. Well, as you uh, said, I'm a professor of economics at the University of Birmingham, but more broadly, I like to think of myself as a multidisciplinary social science scholar uh, trying to understand and and, and in some cases also hopefully uh, get some answers to some of the pressing social science questions or social and economic questions. And uh, of late, I've worked a lot around uh, issues in crime, justice and policing, issues around uh, workforce, tr- workforce transformation, mental health, and, and, and you know, uh, sort of working with a team of psychologists, people in public health, and trying to understand the connections between the various disciplines to look at uh, sort of wicked global and national problems. Yes. Uh, so that's, so, so for example, you know, not, not everybody would kind of draw the connection between, for example, you know, mental health and, 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 uh, Say domestic violence, for instance. You know, right. trying to find 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 these kind of connections and understanding. You know, sort of what, if you like, broadly, what uh, you know drives a human behavior, and 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 you know, how 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 can we have a globalized world that is also uh, equitable, and and yeah. that sort of you ask me to talk about the book, that sort of sparked off, uh, if you like, this collaboration with Ovik Chandra. Uh, so Ovik and I, uh, long-time uh, friends, uh, undergraduates together, um, we were talking on Zoom during COVID when, when we all stuck at home. And one of the things I was pointing out is that uh, a lot of people who rely on their networks at work to, you know, sort of get sustenance in terms of kind of driving them. Now, there was one network which was totally cut off from them, or at least... Yeah quite strongly cut off from them. And and what was the impact of that on the mental health? I mean, would we have a sort of pandemic of, you know, after the pandemic where, you know, people would suffer a lot and, and there would be yes. this mental health issue? And Ovik said, well, you know, that's really interesting because I was thinking of this book around the future of work, right. which I would now have to revisit because of, of the pandemic, you know, almost to tear out yeah. all my old ideas and start afresh and, 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 and would you join? And... I don't know, you know, in, in a mad moment or a good moment or a bad moment, I said yes. And maybe it surprised both of us and we got going with the book. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can stop now and can ask me specific questions about the book or I can describe in a couple of sentences about the book. It's Yeah, well, I mean, please do describe a little bit about the book. It's a fascinating read and people who haven't uh, uh, looked at it, I'll, I'll put the uh, uh, links in the description as well so people know where to find it. But it really is a a fascinating, not just an academic overview, but it's also looking at the practicalities and the operational aspects uh, around this as well, which I think is, is, is really, really interesting. And it's something that could be drawn out for different markets as well. You know, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, that's why the collaboration is sort of, you, you, you know, so successful in a way. At least I hope it's successful because you have complementary skills. You know, he was in the industry for a long time, an academic, but also somebody who likes to translate policy. Yeah. I mean, very broadly speaking, you know, the book is about the future of work, but in an era when work, worker and workplace 
do not have to be connected in space. Yes. So this is, you know, you know, previously, you know, these three W's, so to say, would be together. You know, you, you have a workplace, you have workers who go and do work in their workplace. Yeah. But but today we don't have to, and, and that, you know, li- links to other things which you can come to later about, you know, the globalized economy and technology, which makes right. it possible to, you know, the sort of weightless economy, you know, this exchange of ideas. But what happens, you know, the for people during this transition, how do people adapt to this new style of working? Yeah. Uh, how do you work in a place where, you know, things are changing so quickly that, you know, the things that you thought were really important at work and what, what you were trained in might turn out to be useful. How do you navigate this? Uh, how would a new entrant in the workplace navigate this? How do you how do you look after your mental health in this? And basically, given this globalized milieu, and you know, of course, there's a backlash against it. We can discuss it. How does the quote unquote new uh, workplace be one way you can actually thrive? Because there's a lot of opportunity as well. So that's yeah. sort of what the book is about. And it really offers kind of, that's why you call it a guidebook. You know, how yeah. do you thrive in this new workplace? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, what is the role that we're seeing at the moment in terms of the uh, the impact of digitalization on jobs uh, and the world of work, Siddhartha? Yeah, so I, I, I guess there are two things, right? Um, so it's an apparent paradox, right? Because on the one hand, you know, you see this, really worrying reports from industry about uh you know millions of jobs being displaced on the other hand the same reports tell us that there are so many unfilled vacancies yes so why is it that you know you have this mismatch between demand and supply and i think one thing could be that well digitalization actually opens up a lot of new jobs but but there's a lag in the right people who can were trained or equipped to handle this. So those jobs have to go unfilled. Yeah. On the other hand, of course, because of digitalization and new ways of working, some of the skills become obsolete and jobs become displaced. So I think that's yeah. one of the effects. But at the same time, you know, digitalization does open up these huge opportunities for working across borders, working globally, uh, doing things which you couldn't before simply because, you know, human beings wouldn't have the capacity or the time to gather that kind of data and draw these kind of links. Mm. But it's also, you know, and I, and I think one of the things which we often forget, we keep talking about firms you know, and the workers adapting to digitalization and technology. What about the consumers, right? I right. mean, what about, you know, we have an aging population who are asked to do things, even something simple like banking digitally. Yeah. That's not how they have been brought up, right? So, you know, how do you na- how do they navigate this workplace in this digitalization, this digital revolution, and what can we do to make it supportive for them as well? Yes, yeah, exactly. I think, and that is the this idea of sort of a digital divide and a a, a two tier or even a three tier uh, society, which is something that really needs to be thought about and, and looked at to be addressed. Because yeah, we can't have sort of a percentage of the population, whether it's sort of the older people or people from different backgrounds who don't have access to the the, the technology and therefore the opportunities uh, that are being presented here, Siddhartha. Yeah, no, absolutely. And 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 as you know, the you know digital divide was sort of there for a while, but I think because of COVID. Uh, it it it's really become more prominent. So, for example, uh, during the sort of forced homeschooling that yeah. kids had for two or three years, 
there's a huge difference between an upper middle class or a rich family which had you know the uh, three or four laptops all kinds of equipment that you need to learn digitally versus yeah. somebody with a bad internet connection trying to learn stuff on on a not very good mobile phone Yes. What's going to be the impact of this, not just in the short run, but in the long run, when you track yeah. this? I think that's important. And as and, 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 and also, you know, uh, what you talked about, you know, the consumers, the, the, the elderly, uh, I mean, you know, they have to really navigate this new world and they've almost forced to. So I think I think that's going to be really important. And it's not just the short term. I think I also worry a little about the long term impact. I mean, is it right. just going to increase inequality over the long run? You know, if you, if you look five years down the line, will the opportunities sort of or the difference in opportunities would that be magnified as a result of this digital yeah. divide having having grown? Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's one thing as well with you've got one foot in, of course, the academic world as well, and of course at higher uh, higher uh, levels of uh, uh, of education. But is there more also more sort of um, challenges? to the education system as well and going really right down to the very beginning starting in kind of kindergarten level that uh, how to actually educate uh, the population in terms of giving them the skills knowledge and expertise they need to be able to thrive in the uh, in, in in the new uh, in the new landscape and jobs market of today but particularly tomorrow oh yes absolutely i mean i mean first of all you know there's more and more evidence coming around the impact of uh you know, your environment in early childhood. I mean, there are even people who are talking about, you know, your childhood, even in the gestational period. So so we know that early childhood definitely has an impact. Um, so, and, and, and during COVID, obviously, you know, the environment was very different across different families and different neighborhoods. Mm. Um, now, schools, therefore, have a and, and and university therefore have a, like if you like a almost special duty to see whether they can kind of close this divide that had almost developed because of the shock. Yeah. But 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 so that's that's the primary thing. But there's one other thing I kind of want to point out. I think and and this is you know as a, as a as a somebody in university education, this is a challenge for us. We are on trial. Are we really in our curriculum equipping? young people with the right skills because some of the great challenges in the world today inequality poverty polarization conflict is the sort of traditional stem education which is excellent at problem solving and 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 and, and focusing is that enough for us to be able to make the kind of emotional and ethical judgments needed to to be able to tackle these problems. And I think Great this is points. where universities have to understand that STEM has to be combined with issues around emotional intelligence and and and, and building an ethical framework. So I think mm. education really, really does need to adopt. And, 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 and even within, you know, sort of STEM excellence, you see a huge difference between some of the top universities and, 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 and those at the bottom. So I think, yes, we do have a challenge to both in, in, in upskilling uh, existing STEM education, but also, you know, adding these elements of, you know, emotional intelligence and 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 and, eth and ethical developing ethical frameworks. Right, and I, this is a really important point as well because we're dealing with new technologies, and it's it's not just a kind of a machine in the, in in the way, especially when we get into sort of uh, um, the, the the whole artificial intelligence space, uh, machine learning, and uh, 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 and generative AI as well. 
I mean, we're really going down a different field now, which is it's uncharted territory for a lot of people and a lot of companies, organizations and individuals. But of course, the skills needed, as you say, with the with the ethics behind it to make the right decisions so that the uh, the framework and the paradigm we're working within is the right one that's going to allow us all to, to, to thrive and flourish as opposed to bring out unexpected consequences and uh, you know, further further issues further down the line. Yes, absolutely, and 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 this is where I, I sort of my my work in, in in the criminal justice and health sector have kind of opened my eyes so much to some of these issues. For example, we are using artificial intelligence or or algorithmic decision making to decide, yeah. you know, who gets called for an interview, mm. who gets bail, who gets the upper end of a sentence versus a lower end, or, or sometimes even a community. Uh, and so, so, so we are, we are allowing a artificial intelligence to make a lot of decisions, and 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 I don't fall in the class of pessimists to say, oh yes, it, it's necessarily a bad thing because there's also human bias. You can't compare machine bias to an unbiased human being. Right. So there yeah. is, but the problem is if the data, and this is sort of there's this wonderful book around weapons of math destruction. If the data on which it is built or trained is biased, then what artificial intelligence can potentially do, and I say potentially because it can be corrected, yeah. do is actually magnify some of these biases about, you know, who gets in, you know, the better jobs, who goes up the ladder, who yeah. who, who who goes to jail and who doesn't. And I think that's, that's the kind of challenge that, which is why data scientists need to work with social scientists and, and legal scholars to develop yeah responsible artificial intelligence and 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 transparent artificial intelligence you must know what's the model on which you're basing your decision you don't, don't just right. say oh you know it's very complicated it's a black box we can't tell you <laughs> no you have to you have to be accountable because yeah. you're sending you know you're making life-changing decisions for people mm-hmm. yeah no this is it it can't be just saying oh you wouldn't understand it it's complicated exactly. that, that that doesn't wash anymore even if, if yeah. it ever did i don't know if it if, if it was the case but it certainly doesn't now in terms of these as you say life-changing and society-changing technologies exactly. which are you know the over the past few months, we're not even talking years here, but months, the uh, the progress and the development and the evolution that we've seen within the technologies is uh, is really get, gaining speed all the time as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, that, that's why I, I think somewhere in the book piece, you know, each, each, you know, we say this is different. But I think we can really say this time is different because the pace of sort of evolution of technology is, is so exponential and so one of the things sort of would say is that I think people need a more adaptable mindset rather than just, oh, technology, you know, we skill ourselves, unskill, reskill. It's not necessary that all individuals or all organizations have to necessarily go after the next shiny technology. Yeah. What they should be prepared to do is develop the mindset to say, well, look, we have to adapt. We have to, maybe what we learn today may not, hold tomorrow we have to learn new things and do and and if if we work with people who do things in a new way we have to adapt to that i think that's where you know things around emotional intelligence resilience and all these kind of things come in yeah. because that's not the normal minds to work with right yes yeah yeah no it's it, it really isn't and i mean so Darth, all you were, you were you were talking a little bit before as well about the whole idea of uh globalization of course this the, the, the rise in anti 
globalist sentiment as well. And this is also something that comes out in the uh, in the book. I mean, can you say a little bit more about that in this in, in this context? Uh, yes, absolutely. So, so starting with with sort of the good part of globalization, globalization combined with technology have made it possible for anybody anywhere in the world to sort of, you know, work and thrive in, in principle, right? So yeah. so that's the whole idea again of the weightless economy, a world without borders, and 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 you know, s- some people and, and, and that includes probably people like myself thought, yes, this is it. This is, you know, it, it's globalization is going to allow resources to flow to their highest valued use. Uh, the surplus from globalization or the gains from globalization would be so high that, you know, everybody would be pulled up. Yes. Now, now, unfortunately, that hasn't happened because like everything else, globalization has, you know, there are certain rules and some of the rules are have been skewed towards certain groups of people, which has led to an increase in inequality, particularly yeah. within country inequality. You know, you mentioned before two-tier, three-tier workers. So yes. some have really thrived and others have not. So even if absolute levels of poverty have gone down, it mostly has. The fact that, you know, the rise of the 1% to the point one percent to the point zero zero one percent has been yeah. so much that I think there has been a backlash against globalization. And, and because within each country, you're seeing, you know, greater amounts of inequality. Previously, it was, oh, America was more unequal than, was more better than, India and so the inequality was say between countries now because of globalization some people within every country almost yeah. okay, let's leave out a few countries which have ongoing conflict but otherwise every country has thrived at, at the upper end but not so much at the lower end maybe ultimately mm-hmm. they would but you know we haven't really come up with a way to help those who've lost out maybe yes. temporarily because of globalization and that has led to the rise of you know, these nationalist leaders without naming any one individual in particular. I think there was this whole thing about close the borders, stop migration. You know, we have to look after ourselves first. And the problem is that their remedies or or, or their cure is worse than, if you like, the disease. So I think think we have to, I think we have to understand, we have to make globalization work. We have to, you know, have more equitable globalization. We can't just go back to having, you know, borders and, and, and people not being able to trade and not just good and goods and services, but in ideas. So the yeah. question is how do we make globalization work for everybody rather than try to, you know, artificially shut borders, which, you know, actually yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense anyway. You can't really because you can't stop the flow of ideas. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's so important that this is kept uh, open. I think it's also for the for the adaption to the future as well, whether it's the education system, whether it's new platforms, services as well. This idea of uh, uh, sharing and being able to uh, establish what is best practice, see what's working and be able to roll it out for a, a, lord, a larger um, percentage of the population that so the people can actually get used to it from uh, from different sides of course but just have the opportunity to be able to uh, 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 make use and facilitate what's actually happening yes absolutely and and, and and you know there's so much that you can learn from other both success stories and failures yeah so so for example you know the sort of east asian miracle that people talk about Often, at least if you look at some of the initial papers on this, this was like, oh, yeah, they opened up markets, liberalization, etc. That played a big role. You didn't yeah. let markets. But what also played a big role was 
government made sure that it intervened in things around education. Mm. It it ensured that the terms of trade were equitable. It, it, it also looked after the fact that, well, you need a safety net for people who are losing out. And that's right. why you didn't have this backlash there when it globalized. So I think, yes, free trade does benefit the world as a whole, you know, the sort of mm. sum of, but, but you, but not everybody is going to gain at the same time. And I think you do need some kind of intervention to, if you like, in a way, compensate the losers or make sure that they don't lose forever. So how do you handle that? And I think, you know, education, as we've mentioned before, is, is, is one of the big drivers of access and to a more equal world. It's, it's a big driver of whether people will thrive. And I think if you do yeah. do those basics right, by, you know, as in, you know, a sort of functioning state, then, of course, you know, you use the power of the market and the power of globalization to, mm. to make it a success story. Yeah, absolutely. And I, mean, I think we see some examples here in Europe as well, of course, countries like Finland and, and Estonia, who have really focused on teaching the teaching profession and education more broadly to really put resources, time and effort to make sure that the population have the uh, uh, knowledge and expertise to be able to uh, uh, develop and make the most of any opportunities that may be able to, uh, uh, to, to, to arise. And I think that's an absolutely essential piece within, the, within this whole process. Absolutely. And I, and I think if you look at some of the you know, inequality, for example, in the United States or, 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 or even in the UK, I think inequality in in education is a big issue. In in fact, in the morning I was talking about issues around you know um, the impact of because um, people talk about the school to prison pipeline, right? So absence right. from schools and things. Yeah. But the, yeah. but you see that the, there's this intersectionality which is important because the kids who who uh, are absent from schools and also probably from areas where teachers and the school itself don't have resources to be right. able to look after their needs. So, so, so that's that. That's the whole point, and and that's why you see this huge thing in the UK about house prices going up because of where where the best schools are located. Mm. But really, what you want is that all schools should be good or at least good enough. And I, and I think yeah. this inequality in access is the increased inequality, for example, in the UK, definitely in the US. I mean, right. so I think I think that's why, you know, places like, uh, as you say, Finland and Norway have done such a great job. And, and, yeah. and just as an aside, and I think because they have, and they've also sort of taken on this role of, you know, workplace training, actually businesses are far more willing to pay higher taxes. So it's right. not, it, it hasn't necessarily disincentivized uh, industry because they know, well, the training needs of workers are taken care of. They come, you know, we don't have to invest in that. And therefore, they trade that off and, and pay slightly higher taxes. So it's much more complex about, you know, what kind of interventions uh, work and, 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 and how firms or private enterprise can work with government. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is really sort of um, important points. And I mean, if I ask you, Siddhartha, to get your crystal ball out and look into the future uh, as well in terms of what's coming next, in the future of work and also some of the things that we should be looking out for. But of course, as individuals and consumers, what should we be preparing for as well to be able to make the most of the, uh, the, the opportunities as and when they arise? So, so, you know, these are all the questions you actually wish you hadn't answered because inevitably with change, you, you will be wrong. So, <laughs> but I think, you know, but that, that's the whole, I think, I think in the book we do say you could have taken one of two, 
you know, you know taxed. We can wait for the dust pandemic to settle and make more yeah. uh, sort of concrete predictions, or we just while the data is still in flux, make a prediction. So let so let me let me go ahead and 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 and, and make some predictions anyway. Please. Okay, so first of all, <laughs> okay, right. So first of all, we are sort of on the cusp, if you like. You know the where the world can kind of fork into two different places. Yeah. One, we could be greater inequality, the rise of demagogues, democracy in peril, uh, global conflict. So that's one part. AI being therefore used as a tool of destruction. That's one part. The other part is, you know, finally sense prevails. You know, we we go from the we make use of the great opportunities that uh, the globalized world and AI mm. uses. But then, and I and I, and I'm hope as an optimist. That's where we will. But for that, we need some of the issues that we discussed: yep. investment in education, investment in in building emotional resilience in workers, hmm. investment in looking after aging population. I think I think you know no leader wants to have a serious discussion about this. The population is aging. The dependence ratio is going up. We have to worry about how to how to pay for in the healthcare needs. And, and 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 there will be some choices to make, but nobody wants to have a discussion about it. But if we do, I think I think we can come up with solutions. In fact, use the power of technology and, and AI and data science, yeah. as well as our inner resilience. Sometimes, you know, with all this discussion going on, we forget that as individuals, we do have that capacity to look to ourselves and try and thrive. But for that, we need to be able to have that mindset to be able to almost you know, destroy what we've created. So if you think, no, this isn't working, let's recreate. So I, I mean, we sort of, I won't go into the huge details about that. We do have this little analog in the book in the end where we say, well, that's the mindset you need. You build this, you attach to it, and then you almost drown that because, you know, and, and then build again on a fresh canvas. And I think if we do that, yeah, the tools are there. You can succeed in this globalized milieu. And that's where I really, really hope we will go and not in the first scenario. I'm an optimist. I, I, I just hope ultimately that's that's where we will go. Yeah, no, I fully agree. And I think sort of being a being a, an optimist and proved wrong is better than being a pessimist and proved right as a starting point anyway, Sadatha. So <laughs> I, will, I, I will join you on, on that one as well. But it, it really has been fantastic to hear your thoughts and insights on these crucial topics and hope that we'll, you'll be able to come back and uh, uh, revisit some of these themes and talk about the uh, de developments and progress that's been made. It's been a pleasure, Glenn, and I'll, I'll look forward to having more discussions with you, and, 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 and thanks for having me. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you.